Welcome to Indelible Logos. We are going to give you the words that are going to make a lasting impression. Welcome to Indelible Logos, everyone, and thank you for tuning in. We are the podcast that is committed to giving you words that are going to make a lasting impression. I'm Tiki, and I'm so happy you've tuned in today. This is March 17th. Uh, First, let's go back. March is the month that we are celebrating women all 31 days. The 17th, uh, for a lot of people, they are going to be celebrating St. Patrick's today. So happy St. Patrick's Day. And for those who may not know, St. Patrick is the patron saint of Ireland and its national apostle. Uh, So be careful out there today (laughs) as you celebrate. Uh, But today is also the 35th anniversary of the day that one of the most amazing people to ever grace my life decided that she was going to go home. And it's a day that I guess... I don't know, I guess in some ways it's not as sad as it used to be. It's It still touches my heart. I still shed some tears this morning, but it's also a day that I get to remember my grandmother, my nanny, <laughs> Ruth Adeline Bay, Jessmay London, big name, <laughs> but you know what? She was a big woman who deserved or earned a big name. Um, My grandmother, in every sense of the word, uh, was everything that we are celebrating this month in in, uh, March. She was a strong woman. She was an empowered woman. She was intelligent um, and witty. There's a difference if you don't know it. Uh, She's one of those women who was able to figure things out when there really wasn't any rhyme or reason. She, where there was, where there's a will, there's a Ruth. That was, that was my grandmother. Uh, (laughs) She was uh, a nurturer, um, a mom of seven. And, uh, you know, she took care of her household and ran it like nobody's business. Um, she was my personal, my grandmother wasn't a physician. She was a healer. Um, what do I mean by that? I mean that she was able to, through her home remedies, um, not, not self-medication. That's not because sometimes self-medication is, you know, when you're testing and trial and erroring and all the rest of that stuff. No, my grandmother knew what she was doing to the point of where my pediatrician, did not put me, I was a sickly child. Um, and I remember on one particular instance being told that the only reason that I wasn't in the hospital was because my doctor and his name was Dr. Mogenze at the time, um, knew that my grandmother knew what she was doing. And so he trusted that I would go home with her and that she would be able to take care of me, um, properly. And she did. Um, I can't even recall there, there are so many different remedies and media, um, uh, 
just treatments that she used on me to help me to get through some of these uh, different sicknesses that I had as a child. But she was a healer. So that's what I was getting. That's a long way around of saying that she was a healer. Um, she was a teacher. She was a fighter. Uh, my grandmother, again, like I said, she didn't take any mess. She spoke her truth. And it wasn't even to the point of where um, some people say like, you know, oh, she spoke her mind and she didn't care who knew it. She didn't care. No, that wasn't always true. That wasn't always true. Maybe from an outside perspective, but from an internal up close up front, there were times when my grandmother, she kept her peace and that took more strength and courage than anything else because I knew that there was a fight inside of her. Um, but she knew when to speak and when to keep quiet. And that's wisdom. And yes, by God, that woman was wise. Um, here's, here's a story. I, most of you know, I was a very young mom. I was 15 when I had my first child and I didn't tell anyone that I was pregnant. I was in denial and, and it's, you know, you know, that scripture or that saying of the scripture, I don't even know if it's in there. I would have to research it, but that God protects babies and fools. Like I was a foolish baby. I went whole, my whole nine months and that's a whole different story for a different time um, because there is a lot to that story. I did not want to go back home because my grandmother was also my protector. And I remembered being in the hospital um, and speaking to my aunt who Wanda who is the oldest of the girls so my grandmother had four boys first and then she had three girls how how awesome is that right um and I remember telling like I don't want to go home because I was just prepared for my father to to kill me I was prepared for my mother to just you know probably tell me I I you know disappointed them and all of those things, I, I didn't want to see my parents. I was embarrassed. I was ashamed. And what I had been denying for so many months was now facing me. I couldn't deny it anymore. And so I felt like my safe haven, the person who would not only protect me, but would love me unconditionally. was my grandmother and without fail she came to my rescue now I'm sorry guys it's almost like I'm reliving it from yesterday but without fail she came to my rescue and little did I know what that price would be that she would pay but she paid it for me. It caused a riffle in our family, specifically between her and her son, my father. 
I don't think she did it to hurt my father. I don't think she took my side to overstep my parents, but she knew that I needed her. And therefore she came to my rescue. So what what did that mean? What did that mean? Well, how did I get to that place as to where she became that protector? As I said just a few moments ago, my grandmother, my nanny was my healer. From early on, I remember going to Catholic school. Um, I used to go to Our Lady of Rosary and I was, you know, between the first and second grade. I don't know if it was every day, but I do remember that some days after school, I would go to my nanny's house and she would make me a snack Um, I would go into my uncle's room and she would put the TV on and I would watch, um, I, I remember electric company, Sesame Street and electric company, uh, Morgan Freeman. I remember him from all the way back then. Rita Morano. I remember her from all the way back then. Uh, (laughs) Uh, that's where my love affair with Kermit started. Uh, cause Kermit was not on the Muppets at that time. He was a reporter, on a electric company, I believe. And anyway, I remember listening to my grandmother and her conversations and um, just kind of letting, laying the law, like between the, my aunts and my uncles. And, you know, they just, they could not come up against her. She was the law and everybody knew it. It's kind of like one of the reasons why I love that TV show, Everybody Loves Raymond. I still watch it. I watch it almost every night for at least two or three episodes. Marie reminds me of my grandmother. Now, on Everybody Loves Raymond, there's just the two boys. But I can tell you there's this one episode where they are in a, a some type of a disagreement or whatever. And Marie takes a step. And Raymond... And Ray, excuse me, Raymond and Robert, like almost knock themselves over trying to get away from her because they just see that that look in her face. Well, that was that was my nanny. <laughs> like, you know, um, she just kind of gave me this confidence as I was growing up that she was just this person that I could trust and rely and depend on and and run to for safety. And so that was one of the reasons that I knew that I could reach out to her and she would be right there to grab my, my hand. And I didn't get to stay with her for a whole long time, but it was what I needed before I was able to go back. The end of that story, like I said, that's a story for another time, but the end of that story was that by the grace of God, my grandmother and my dad made up and um, we had no idea of knowing that only six months later um, she was going to be leaving us. Um, the other things that I remember about her were, first of all, she was a phenomenal cook. She was the one who taught me about cuisine not saying this against any 
nationalities or families or whatever. This is not any any disrespect in any way, but my grandmother didn't just cook foods that were known to black families. My grandmother, honestly, I learned most of my Italian cooking or dishes from from her, like chicken cacciatore and and you know I mean that's a lot of families know lasagna, they know spaghetti, you know, but my grandmother was making sausage and peppers and uh chicken cacciatore and, and other chicken tetrazzini like other meals uh, like that. On the 17th of March, we were having corned beef and cabbage um, <laughs> with some soda bread. I, I didn't learn those things in school or I didn't learn those things when I got older and started going out, you know, on my own and for dinners and stuff. I learned that in my grandmother's kitchen. Uh, the first place that they used to have was out on Carroll Avenue in Yonkers, which is like borderline of the Bronx. I mean, literally Van Cortlandt Park was right in my grandmother's backyard. And that was a neighborhood back in the day that was filled with Irish and Italian. So to have a black family in the mix of a bunch of Irish and Italian families wasn't the norm. But let me tell you something. Those families, they knew my my grandmother and her children and my grandfather, they knew them. Not only did they know them, but they respected them. My father and his brothers and and his sisters, they grew up knowing what it meant to, you know, accept people for who they were, to look beyond the color of their skin. And I would say that a lot of my father's best friends growing up were not black. They were Irish and Italian because of where they grew up, but that's neither here nor there. I'm just saying that they were able to thrive in that community and be respected in that community because of who they were, because of their confidence in who they were. Um, and I love that. I, I grew up going down there um, and people saying, oh, that's Johnny's granddaughter. That's my grandmother's husband my grandfather, that's, you know, um, that's Ruth's granddaughter. And I, I, it was kind of like, I walked around protected because of the name that I, it was like (laughs) this name that I wore this badge or who my family was. And I didn't have to worry about anything because everybody looked out for me. It, It was at the time I thought it was kind of irritating, but you know, as you look back from, uh, older person to younger, you see that it was really a community that was looking out for one of its own. And I so appreciate that. They later moved to uh, Walburton Avenue towards Hastings, right on the borderline, actually right across the street from the Hudson River Museum into this ginormous house um, that we had so many parties. And I'm saying that because my grandmother's personality was just too small for that place. I mean, it could only have held her over on Carroll Avenue for so long, but our family continued to expand and to grow and it just became the appointed time and they needed a bigger place. And so we went to this whole, this house. It was like 10 bedrooms and I want to say we had 10 bedrooms and, and six bathrooms or something like that. There was a maid's quarter, a butler's quarter two kitchens and when the holidays came around 
my grandmother had both of those kitchens going because their house was the place to be for family and friends. We were always jamming. Um, and so those are the things that I remember about my grandmother and her cooking and learning all those things. But here's a funny thing. I didn't know what cold cuts were as a teenager. I remember one night going to my grandmother's and we were in the kitchen and I was like, hey, nanny, what's, you know, what's for dinner? Because there was, she wasn't cooking anything. She's like, I'm not cooking tonight. She said, I'm taking a night off. And she says, tonight we're going to have cold cuts. And I was like, cold cuts? What, what in the world are cold cuts? And when my papa, her husband, my grandfather came home, he had deli meats. And (laughs) so that was how I was introduced to cold cuts. And I just always knew them as sandwiches back in the day. But I have so many fond memories of my grandmother that led me up to the point in my life of where I needed her the most. She was there for me. And I remember some of the things that she told me after I came home from the hospital with with my son. She told me that... I didn't need to be embarrassed and I better hold my head up high because I wasn't the first and I wouldn't be the last to have a child as a teenager. She wasn't telling me to be proud. She was telling me that I didn't need to let that moment keep me in a state of shame where I was shamed. She also at certain points told me that people were always going to talk. She said, Tiki, no matter what you do, somebody somewhere is always going to be talking about you. You could be doing the right thing. You could be doing the wrong thing. She goes, so don't let that bother you. You keep doing what you need to do because they're going to talk about you no matter what. She goes, you know when you should be concerned? She goes, when people aren't talking about you. I haven't reached that point yet. To be honest with you, I've become so secured in who I am and who God has called me to be that I no longer think about who's talking about me or who's not talking about me. I think about him and whose I am. But I understood what she was meaning, what she meant and where she was coming from. The other thing was um, she was the person who told me, and I know she didn't make up the saying, but at the time I thought she did, that which doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And man, <laughs> did I did not know that over the years I was going to have to put that in my brain over and over and over again because I've had to go through some very hard, tough things. And she was right. It's made me stronger. It has made me uh, more resilient and determined. And I'm going to guess that that's how she got to be where she was because she had to learn that lesson for herself. Um, And then she paid me one of the greatest compliments one day when she told me that she goes, you're strong like your grandmother. She she says, you're going to be okay. She's like, you're strong like I am. And to me, that was like, bam, the seal of approval, like. My grandmother has, it, it, it meant even more to me than her telling me that she loved me because I looked at her as this big giant woman 
And in so many ways, I wanted to have that strength, that, that resilience, that determination, that wisdom, that nurturing love and care. And when she said that to me that day, it was like, uh, I, I leveled up. <laughs> and so I, I think about her all of these years later, and there's a flood of memories um, that I couldn't possibly, you know, talk to you guys or, or relate to all of you that would touch you the same way that it touched me. But I've also learned that although she isn't physically here, she's still so very much alive with me in my heart and in my spirit. At one point in time, I used to uh, have these dreams, reoccurring dreams, that she would get one day to return to the earth. And in those dreams, I, I knew she had left and I knew that she, and she would tell us like, I'm here, but I'm only here for a short time. And she would come to, you know, see about her family. She would come to fix some of the wrongs. And that's actually what inspired my story, The Gathering, my short story that I still haven't completed. I will complete it, but it meant so much to me that I had to not just write this as a short story, but to get it right. And the story, basically, if you haven't heard the first part of it from um, the Indelible Logos podcast, it's basically about this woman. Her name is Adeline, which was um, my grandmother's middle name. And I call her Addie, that she petitions heaven to let her go back to earth because her family is just in disarray. Like the grandchildren are doing kind of like their own thing. And, you know, she, um, her, her, some of her, her children are not speaking because there was a tragedy and no, none of the story is based on actual facts. It's just a, the theme of my grandmother coming back that inspired it. Um, the things that are happening in the story are fiction, but I could see that actually happening. Like if there was a way for people to, I think, you know, have a pass and come back, I don't know why you would ever want to leave heaven to come back, no matter how much you love your family. But if it was possible, I know she would because just like all families, I think when you have that strong knit person, my grandmother, my she was the backbone. She was the backbone for the entire family. Uh, the family pretty much revolved around her. Uh, it's just the truth. Not right or not wrong. It's just the way that it was. And when she left, we did. We suffered. We We went through, you know, all of the stages of depression we went through all of the stages of grief. We went through all the stages of anger, um, blame, I think, to a certain degree, remorse, guilt. Um, and it took time. We also went through a time of healing. And it took time for us to all get to the place to where we were able to heal 
and come back to one another, to find one another, because there were things that Ruth instilled in all of us that couldn't just die when she did. They had to take root. They had to take life and they had to work to bring the family back together. Um, Just the crazy part about this, as I'm saying this, one of the things that I remember were was being at Brooks Memorial in Yonkers and it was standing room only. I mean, that place, people, they, they were lined up, up the hill around the corner to get in and to pay their respects to this woman. Because I was family, obviously, I didn't have to wait online. I was up close and personal, but the stories of the people that I've heard, even from family relatives that I didn't even know their backgrounds because they were like, they were my dad and his siblings. They were their first cousins. But even to hear how my grandmother took them in when they were in times of need and they came and they lived with them for a while. My grandmother already had seven kids, but she still managed to be able to take in other people who were in need. And so the, the, she set that precedence way before I ever asked to run to her as a safe haven. She had already put that in place. And that's just the kind of woman that she was. If she had, she gave it to you. And if she didn't have, she found a way to get it, to give it to you. Facts. Um, one of the things that she told me, which I thought was really funny, because again, I was almost 16 when she you know, left us. So I wasn't even on that, that mindset, but wisdom was, um, and they would go, I I don't know if it was every year or not, but she would take a trip to Atlantic city and she would take $50 with her. So this is for all you people who like to play and gamble. And I'm sure that you already learned this lesson, but in case you're starting out and you don't know, this is what she did. She would go to Atlantic City, and I believe that it was a bus ride or something. They would get on the bus, and they would go over to Atlantic City, and she would take $50, and she would play that $50. And once she won, she took the $50 she came with and put it away, and she played with the house's money. If she won more, she won more. If she lost everything, she walked away, and she came back with that same $50. That's wisdom. Um, But on today, I just want to say that I believe it's possible to get to a place where you can really appreciate and see people for who they really were. As an adult, I learned some things about my grandmother that my my younger ears couldn't handle. They weren't into, they weren't things that were meant for younger ears to to know. And as an as that same adult and finding that out, I was able to look past some of those things. Like and I found that this she was she had a life before me. I mean, to me, she was just my grandmother, that's all she, she was my grandmother. Yes, I shared her with my other cousins and stuff, but I mean, for me personally, she was my grandmother. So I didn't really know much about her likes or dislikes or anything. If you can hear in the background, 
I am playing uh, Bill Gaither's, um, actually, I think I said that wrong. I think it's Bill Withers. Hold on one second. I'm trying to get back into my computer <laughs> so that I can hear it uh, right now and get his name straight. Yes, Bill Withers, Lovely Day. I absolutely adore the song. And a couple of years ago for my Uncle Gary my grandmother's second son he came right after my dad I found out that this was my nanny's jam like this was her song and they were saying like they knew when they came home from school if this song was playing like my grandmother was in one of her good moves like she would basically tell my uncle Gary because he was the DJ of the like a legit DJ of the family and she would say Gary play my song for me and he would go and put the song on. And so as everybody else was coming home and stuff, they all knew like, oh, she, Ruth is feeling good today. <laughs> but I just think that that's so funny how, um, you know, I found out something like that. There weren't too many things that I really knew about her herself personally. I knew her as my grandmother. But as an adult, like I said, I got to know her as a woman who she was and all of the diff or not all but a lot of the different things that she experienced that caused her to become the woman that I loved and so there's so much more that I could say but I won't um <laughs> I am just going to put a pin in it and say that I am grateful I could have had so many different examples in my life, um, good, bad, and different, but God chose to allow me to have Ruth as my grandmother and like the Ruth of the Bible, a very strong woman. And I believe that there's something stronger than genetics. There's a spirit and as I get older, I see that I have some of her spirit, that fortitude, that nurturer, that, um, you know, just get it done, endurance that she had. I have some of that same likeness in me. And so, Nanny, I hope that you are able to maybe catch a glimpse of this podcast today and hear that 35 years later, you may not be here in in physical sense, but you're still with us in our hearts. You still live on and you don't have to worry about your family. We're, we're holding it. So I hope that you guys will have a great, lovely day. <laughs> And you celebrate life, celebrate and continue to live for those who have gone on before us. That is how they continue to live through us, through their memories, through their, their lessons, through their love. Until next time, be happy, be healthy, and be safe.